I'm glad to be here, and it's my joy to uh, be with you all. Um, today is uh, my 39th year of my spiritual birthday, uh, when the Lord, in His kindness and mercy, found me. And I thank for His grace um, that reaches down to my soul and brought forgiveness, salvation through Christ, His Son. Um, I grew up in a Protestant church back home in the Philippines. Um, but I have this hatred towards my dad. My dad is a gambler, a womanizer, hurts my mom a lot. And uh, though we grew up in a family, I grew up in a family of lawyers, uh, modesty aside, but the, our family is crazy, really. <laughs> so I even wanted, I even attempted one time to end my father's life. Our family love guns. Who among you love guns here? <laughs> when I was in Roseburg, Oregon, in our church there under David York, I asked the same question, and a lot of men will raise up their hands. And after the service, we just talk about guns, you know. <laughs> guns and God. <laughs> anyway, um, one time I attempted to end my, my, the life of my dad, while he was drunk, I pointed the gun uh, in his temple and attempted to end his life. Clicked the gun, nothing happened. Tried it once again, clicked the gun, nothing happened. I know it's, it's a miracle, right? But uh, I know it's God's providence, it's God's intervention. Until one time I tried to search for God I'm, I, I have this group, what we call the uh, SS or the Solid Seven. We started as seven young men. We, uh, we, we, we were classmates. We call it classmates when it comes to, to the weeds, you know, and uh, to taking uh, cocaine until we started a gang. Uh, we're all full of hatred to our parents. And uh, so I was happy when I'm in weed and having this cocaine with, with my friends, with my peers. But when I'm alone, it's empty down there. It's so empty. That's why I tried to search for God. Went shopping with a lot of religion. Went back to our... Uh, Ancestors, I have a Muslim blood down south in the Philippines, in Mindanao. Talked to my uncle who's an imam, studied Quran, and uh, just talk about Allah. But nothing happened still. So I went back to Manila, the capital of the Philippines, where I live. Uh, tried other religions. And finally I said, there's no God. There's no religion. Until one time, a friend of mine told me, and he said, you know what, Jeff? 
don't try to search for religions because there's no religion that died on the cross for your sin. There's only one man. He's the son of the living God in accordance to the Father's gracious and wise will. He sacrificed his own son to die on the cross for your sin and mine. And that day, November 14, 1983, it's November 13 here. In the Philippines, we're quite advanced, November 14, <laughs> right? So it's November 14 or November 13 here in the U.S., 1983. This evil man, this man full of hatred to his dad, full of hatred to the people around him, God in his kindness showered me with his salvation. That's why it is my joy to celebrate uh, my spiritual birthday with you and just to serve you for your joy and for God's glory. To God be the glory. I would like to ask everyone to please do arise and open your Bible, please, to the book of Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, starting verse 42 to 47. I hope you have your Bibles with you. Acts chapter 2, starting verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods. They gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. May the, may the Lord bless His word. Shall we just come before the Lord in prayer. Father, have mercy on us and be kind to us, Lord, as to unveil the beauty of your word so that we may fully understand what church fellowship is all about. The church belongs to you, God. And we thank you that because of the cross of Christ, we become part of it. And thank you, Father, even for the freedom in our country to preach your word and enjoy it to know the truth. And Holy Spirit, we do ask you that you teach our hearts to bow down to the authority of the Scriptures, all for your glory and for the good of your church. In this we pray, in Jesus' name, amen and amen. You can all be seated now. Why fellowship of the church is important. Yes, you heard me right. 
It is not why fellowship in the church is important, but rather why the fellowship of the church is important. Because basically the church is not a building. The church is not a religion. The church is not a landmark. The church is you and me. We are the church of the living God. It's very clear in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 to 12, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul and keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation." And even Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25 to 27, uh, strengthens, fortifies the truth that indeed we are His church. We belong to Him. Let me just quote what um, uh, the late R.C. Sproul once said, and I quote, I think the greatest weakness in the church today is that almost no one believes that God invests His power in the Bible. Everyone looking for power in a program, in a methodology, in a technique, in anything and everything, but that which God has placed it, His Word. He alone has the power to change lives for eternity, and the power is focused on the Scriptures. So, basically, when we talk about fellowship, we are talking about oneness, the Bible tells us clearly that the early church was devoted to fellowship. Let's all say fellowship. It, it, it is possible to have a religious gathering, but without fellowship, it is not a church gathering. Fellowship in the original Greek our definition is koinonia. It means being in one boat. In the biblical definition, it means intimate spiritual communion coming from the love of Christ. When we talk about koinonia or fellowship, it stresses the following, acts of fellowship with each other, acts of common worship, acts of mutual kindness and benevolence. And they do this, the Bible says, they do this with devotion. The word even rendered continued steadfastly in the Greek language prokarterontes. It also means attending one, remaining by his side, not leaving or forsaking him. So therefore, my friends, we exemplify God to one another as we remain committed to one another as God is to us. I'll say it once again. We exemplify God to one another as we remain committed to one another as God is to us. When God 
promised, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you. And we can read that in Deuteronomy 31, verse 6 in the Old Testament. In Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5 in the New Testament, God is saying, I am in fellowship with you. Okay? So we display God's faithfulness in our lives when we are faithful to one another. We display God's mercy in our lives when we show mercy to one another. We display God's generosity in our lives when we are generous to one another. Romans chapter 12, verse 15 tells us, Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. So therefore, we demonstrate Christ's compassion when we exercise this. The word compassion came from two uh, words, common passion. It means we, we put our feet on the shoes of others. So when we fail to exercise this, we fail to exemplify Christ in our life. When we weep with those who rejoice, therefore we are not exercising what fellowship is all about. When we rejoice while others are weeping, we are not practicing what biblical fellowship is all about. So therefore, biblical fellowship of the church means there is oneness. Where? Number one, in our commitment to grow in His Word. Verse 42 tells us, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Let me say this. Where the Word of God is being taught, the regenerate heart goes after it. I'll say this once again. Where the Word of God is being taught, the regenerate heart goes after it. When Jesus declared Matthew 4, 4 to Satan, He means that life is not just about our physical needs, but our spiritual needs as well. It also means that we focus on the Word on which only the Word of God has eternal value in our life. Jesus affirms one's relationship with Him and His Father to those who keeps and obeys His Word in John 14, 23. That's why as a church, as a fellowship, we should have a common passion in the study of the Scriptures. We learn to bow down, honor the Scriptures, and we Look at the Scriptures as the very words of the living God. What a privilege that God has given us His Word. You want to talk to God? Just get your Bible with a humble heart. Open your Bible, and God will speak to you. The late Bishop J.C. Ryle once said, and I quote, Let us seek friends that will steer us up about our prayers, our Bible reading, our use of time, our souls, and our salvation. Therefore, there should be oneness when it comes to our devotion, to our commitment, even to our passion to the Word of God. So studying the Word of God should not be a burden to us. When we study the Word of God personally, when we study the Word of God corporately or congregationally, we, look, we should look at it as a blessing that God in His kindness, is revealing Himself to us. And every time we open the Bible, we learn things 
from God and about God. That's why we respond in our scripture reading, speak to us, Lord. And that's what we do in our church back home in the Philippines. We ask the congregation to, to, to stand up as we read the passage. Then the preacher will say, these are the words of the Lord. And the congregation will respond, speak to us, Lord. We're doing that so as to remind everyone in the congregation that we are here to listen to his word. We are here right before the words of the living God who created heavens and earth. And then that's why we say also amen every time the truth is being declared or even proclaimed. Then we talk about what we have learned from the scriptures. In other churches, we, they, they call it their care group or their accountability group. It's commonly called home Bible study group. What we did for the past years is that we also have this home Bible study group, but our lesson is based on our sermon that Sunday so that we can concretize, meditate, reflect on what we have all heard last Sunday so that we can really uh, dwell more deeply in the study of God's Word that we heard last Sunday. It is a blessing. It is through God's kindness that God has given us His Word. Do you agree with that? Right? So there should be oneness. When we talk about fellowship, we're talking about oneness or having one passion in the study of God's Word. Okay? We, we, we talk about it in our family. We talk about it with our friends. We talk about it in our coffee fellowship time. Right? We just talk about God's Word as we all desire to know more about Christ. So when we talk about fellowship as well, there, all, there should also be oneness in our confession of the gospel. Verse 42, one said, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. This is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. This my blood poured out for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Remember that, uh, that those words of Jesus. We are a confessional church, meaning we proclaim the cross of Christ both in our words and in our deeds. We are saved by the gospel of Christ and we treasure it in our hearts. We exercise the gospel of Christ and it is the philosophy of our life. John Flavel once said, The mercy of God to us should melt our hearts in mercy towards others. It is impossible that we should be cruel to others except that we forget how kind and compassionate God has been to us. I remember this, this lady, and she's a lesbian. Her name is Lily. It was 1995 when I first saw a hard-looking 
lesbian who attends our church with her domestic partner. They were invited to attend in our Bring a Friend Sunday, an evangelistic Sunday, by a fellow church member. As I preached the gospel of Christ that Sunday morning, I can notice that she was listening attentively and that I know God has been working in her heart. She surrendered her life to the Lord Jesus and allowed herself to be discipled by our church leadership. After a year of attending regularly, both in our church Sunday worship and in her Bible study accountability group, she decided to be baptized and to fully commit her life to the Lord's service. And this was the start of almost a year of persecution for she had decided to leave, to leave her and cleave to the cross of Christ. In God's providence, we were able to help her, hide her uh, from her lover, and to help her live a new life in Christ and continuously and patiently disciple her. The following year, she approached me and asked me to pray for her, for the Lord is compelling her to go back to Mindanao. So for us to understand, the Philippines is a small country. It will only take you two hours flight from point to point, north to south, right? Uh, from Reno going here, it took us almost five hours. So it's kind of a round trip when it, in the context of our country. So anyway, uh, she lives, she was born and raised in Mindanao. So Mindanao is the south, southern part of the Philippines where there are a lot of Muslim communities, unrich people. A lot of tribes as well there. The Manoba tribes and the Muslims. There are a lot of Muslim extremists there. So if you're an American citizen, you're planning to go to Mindanao, for sure the U.S. Embassy will warn you that you can go there at your own cost. But they will warn you. Okay? And that's where Lily lives. So she approached us and asked for prayer that she may be able to share the gospel to her parents and siblings back home in Mindanao. The elders prayed and decided to grant her request. After a few months, she went to Surigao del Norte where she shared the gospel of Christ to her immediate family and they were all baptized in the name of Christ. Little did she know that God will use her mightily down south, far south. Along with their siblings, they visited their relatives and friends in Kabangahan, a town in Surigao del Sur, and the rest is history. She was able to plant a church in that town for a year and another one on the following year in a nearby town. The Lord also opened a door for her to connect with the Manoba tribe. The Manoba tribe, were, they're not Muslim, they're, they're, they're a different tribe, but they have a good working community relationship with the Muslims. So the Manoba tribe were headhunters and was very territorial. That even the local government in that region finds it hard to bring peace on their years of tribal wars. 
through much prayer, we cried to the Lord, God, we are a small church with a big heart for missions. Please use us to reach the Manobo tribe with the gospel. Empower us with your love that we may disciple them and plant churches among their tribal communities. Today, after more than 20 years of working in that region, God has been faithful to establish 12 churches, half of which are tribal churches. God has been faithful to those warring tribes are now at peace with one another because of the gospel of Christ. That's the power of the gospel, my friends. God has been faithful and kind to reach out to the warring tribal leaders of our chieftains. Three of them are now our pastors. Yeah, Oscar Tagyam, Rolando Agyang, and uh, we call him uh, Kikoy, our most handsome pastor there. They, they were formerly, formerly headhunters. And yet, when they heard the gospel of Christ, because of this one lady, former lesbian, when the gospel, in God's kindness, reached out to her, she was changed indeed. God has been faithful to connect us to the local government in that region and turn the tribal people either as forest rangers or workers in the mines. So we ask the local government, can you please help us elevate the life of this Manoba tribe? In God's kindness and faithfulness, we are, we were, we are being sustained in our mission work in Mindanao through the generous giving of our church members and also through our partnership with Sovereign Grace Churches. We, we are educating and training more local church planters in that region. Our goal is to equip, train our Manobo brothers so that they can reach the Muslim communities because they have a good working relationship. If we from Manila will just go straight to Mindanao to the Muslim communities, we should prepare our neck, right? So I guess it's wise just to, you know, equip them, train them, and let them share the gospel to the Muslim communities. And our part is to pray for them, support them, finance them, equip them, train them and treasure relationships with them. Because God in His wisdom and grace chose a lesbian unto His salvation and made her satisfied in her God's designed life as a woman, making His name known among the people and the tribes of Mindanao. Through Lily's obedience to the call of the gospel, the seed that she planted continually in Mindanao grew and continually grow for the glory of God. The Lord brought her home 
last March 2002. See? When we talk about fellowship, we're also talking about our oneness in our confession of the gospel. And we are so grateful that God connected us in, to sovereign grace. We have the same passion when it comes to the gospel of Christ. Last but not the least, when, I talk, when we talk about fellowship, we have this sense of oneness when it comes to our prayers. Prayer is not a spiritual gift given only to a selected few. Pharisees think of this way, that they are so spiritual and they, are, they were the, uh, the spiritual elite in their time who can only pray to God with effectiveness. If your prayer life makes you proud, believing that you are far better than others, then you don't really understand the essence of biblical prayer. My brothers and my sisters, Prayer is a vital part of the Christian life and even our church life. The praise used in our passage in Acts chapter 2, you can take note, it says in the prayers. It's plural, not, not singular. It's plural. It emphasizes the praying for and with one another. This is more than a prayer meeting or a gathering but an actual, habitual part of our daily praying for one another and praying for others. That's why it says in, it is in the plural sense, in the original language. Now, what kind of prayer pleases God? So what kind of prayer pleases God? In Isaiah 66 verse 2, it says, These are the ones I look on with favor. Those who are humble and contrite in spirit and who tremble at my word. So what kind of prayer? Number one, prayer that has humility. That means a prayer of a person who has a high view of God resulting to an honest view of himself that he is not entitled for the presence of God, but only because of God's mercy. Again, the late uh, J.C. Ryle once said, the person who really knows himself and his own heart knows who, who knows God and His infinite majesty and holiness, who knows Christ and the price at which He has redeemed, that person would, would never be a proud person. Andrew Murray one said, each time before you intercede, be quiet first and worship God in His glory. Think of what He can do and how He delights to hear the prayers of His redeemed people. Think of your place and privilege in Christ and expect great things. And he goes on by saying, humility is nothing but the disappearance of self in the vision that God is all. That is humility. Second, what kind of prayer? He has this contrition of spirit. Psalms 51 verse 17, a broken spirit and a contrite heart you will not despise. A spirit that is broken, crushed, 
or deeply, deeply affected by sin before the holy God. It stands opposed to a spirit that is proud, haughty, self-confident, and self-righteous. He understands that he is in the fellowship of sinners, saved by the grace of God, struggling with sin, yet delighting in Christ, facing a lot of challenges, but resting on God's faithfulness. Someone said, I want to see a fellowship where your burdens become mine. Your grief over your children becomes my grief, where we really bear each other's burdens, where we love each other, and let the world come and see that we are the followers of the meek and lowly Jesus who cared only to do the will of his Father. My brothers and my sisters, that's what fellowship is all about. Not only in the gospel, not only treasuring the, the scriptures, but also in prayer. Also in prayer. And prayer with humility. Again, the kind of prayer that God accepts is the prayer of a person that trembles at his word. So this implies to us that a prayerful person trembles at God's word. Do we treasure this book? Do we love this book? Do we love his word? Do we treasure our moments and time with this word every day and every night? So this means that a person should pray scripturally. We should pray based on what the scripture says, on its right context. Do you believe that? I remember one time we have a church, we have church visitors. And after the service, I welcome our church visitors and this old lady uh, with her grandchildren approached me. As I approached them, I said, hi, welcome to our church. Thank you for coming. And then she said to me, uh, we're glad to be here, Pastor Jeff. And then I asked, uh, is there anything that I can pray for you? And then she told me, ah, yes, pastor, I remember. This old lady told me that, can you pray for me that I can have a, another baby? And, uh, and I, I, I asked her, ma'am, how, how old are you, if you don't mind? And she said, I'm 66. Okay. And she quickly answered back by saying, you know, Pastor, there's nothing impossible with God. Sarah was, I think, 80 or 88 years old, and I'm just 66. <laughs> and politely I said, man, you are not Sarah, and your husband is not Abraham as well. <laughs> So we, we, we better be careful in, in uh, 
what do you call this? Uh, trying to uh, relate your situation in what the books, on, on, on Bible stories. Okay? So, I just said, I'll just pray for you, but I'm sorry I cannot pray for your request. I love you, ma'am, but, you know, uh, that was only designed by God for Sarah and not for you. Okay? So, therefore, all of us here, we should pray scripturally. Years back when I was still an intern student, finishing my bachelor's degree in theology, so part of our internship work is to go to a, uh, a community on a, on a mountain. Uh, so I, I, uh, uh, I'm with my two uh, seminary classmates. But uh, when we are about to pass a river, a storm came. I mean, sorry, rain fell. So much rain, heavy rain fell. And it causes the river to... Uh, to be flooded, right? And I said to my classmate, hey guys, can we just wait here for a while and let, let, let us just uh, camp a tent as we wait for the water to subside, the river to be subside? Because it's quite dangerous as we, if you will cross there. And then one of my classmates said to me, Jeff, do you have faith in God? And I said, I do. Well, Peter can walk on the water. Why can't we do that? And I said to him, go ahead. Go. I'll just come here and stay here. But you go. And let me see you walking on the water. <laughs> so a humble person submits to the authority and to the truth of the Scriptures. Whenever we pray, Humbly, we pray scripturally. Second, this also means that we pray humbly. We submit to its authority, to its guidance, to its wisdom. Every time we pray in humility. And this also means that we pray and we should pray graciously. Remember the prayer of that Pharisee? when he was with the tax collector. We should be praying graciously. You here in America are so blessed uh, compared to uh, third world countries like, like ours. God has been using America to spread the gospel. But for the past recent years, we also see and witness the dying down of Christianity, biblical Christianity in our country. That's why we should pray for America. We should pray for all the nations. We should be faithful to the gospel of Christ. We should strengthen the bond of our union in Christ as a church. We should fortify the biblical essence of what fellowship is all about. So therefore, when we pray humbly, that means we pray scripturally, we pray graciously, 
and we pray with compassion. Let me tell you quick stories about how I joined, how the Lord in His kindness connected me with Sovereign Grace. Um, we celebrated uh, God's faithfulness for the past 30 years or three decades uh, a few weeks ago. But six to seven years ago, our church is growing, our church is expanding. Even prior to me to meeting Sovereign Grace Church, we already exercised plurality of leadership. And by His kindness, faithful to the expository preaching of God's Word, um, we believe in the plurality of leadership and even on, on the doctrine of complementarianism. So we are growing in Manila, in the north part, northern part of Luzon, and we're also growing in the southern part of Luzon, uh, of the Philippines. But, you know, it's, it's all God's work. It's really all God's work and doing, right? Even the very fact that I'm here with you today, this is all by God's grace and God's work. So, a lot of big denominations in our, in our country wanted to adopt us. They're inviting us to join their denomination. But whenever we have a meeting with them, we ask them, how do you define the gospel in your denomination, in your church? How important to you is the plurality of leadership? Do you exercise a complementarianism when it comes to the leadership both at home and in your church? Most of the answers to those questions are not in line with the Scriptures. Much more when I ask them, how important to you is church planting? In the Philippines, a lot of churches are really concerned on being a mega church rather than planting churches. There's nothing wrong if it is God's will for you guys or for any church, local church, that you will be a mega, quote-unquote, a mega church. But don't neglect God's call for us to plant churches, right? To plant churches. Sadly, there are churches even in Manila that they're, they're thinking of church planting as if they're McDonald's trying to establish another shop out there. No, it's, it's not like that. God called us to make His name known because only the gospel of Christ can save the souls of men. Even those souls of the, the, the souls of the Muslims, the souls of the mountain people or the Manobo tribes, the souls of the, of the headhunters, the souls of the communist people, only the gospel of Christ can save them. Right? So, uh, a friend of mine called me up and said, Jeff, would you like to attend a conference in Cebu? So, for you to understand, the Philippines is composed of three major land 
uh, Luzon, Visayas, and Mindanao. So the conference is in Visayas. Cebu is in Visayas. So I said, yeah, okay, I'll attend that, that whatever conference is that. Because you invited me to come over. But for the past years, our elders of the church have been praying, God, connect us to, to a denomination where we will be accountable, accountable to. Because I'm really afraid in my heart with all these growing churches, expanding ministry. Because in the Philippines, we have, what, we have this, what I call the Pope mentality. You know, if you are the lead pastor, if you're the founding pastor of that church, you are untouchable. You are not accountable to anyone else but God. That kind of sense. And I'm so afraid in that situation, in that position. And even my fellow elders, I'm asking my fellow elders, hey guys, if you see something in me, if I preach something that is not uh, scriptural, let me know. Correct me. Check my relationship with my wife. Check my, how I parent my kids. If you see any pride in me, please, as my friend, as my fellow elders, warn me, remind me. And if needed, rebuke me. And if needed, discipline me. And then we, but, but again, because of our culture, the senior pastor or the lead pastor is, hey, he's the founding guy. You know, he's the founder. He's untouchable. He's the big boss. Something like that. And that's basically the culture of, of churches in the Philippines. But that is not what the Scripture says. Right? We are just under shepherds, elders, and pastors. My fellow pastors and elders here. We are just under shepherds. And Jesus is our chief shepherd. So we were crying and we were praying to God, Lord, lead us to a right denomination until I attended that conference. And as soon as I sat down in one of those chairs, I listened to this pastor by the name of Lynn Baird of Pasadena, California. He was so humble. I've never heard a pastor that's so humble in the Philippines preaching. There's no even sense of holy art thou attitude as he preached God's word. He was humble enough to admit his frailties and exalt the, the grace and the glory of Christ and the faithfulness of Christ in his life. And one more thing as he preaches the word, I've noticed that he's very faithful to the proper interpretation of the scriptures. And after that first session of his, I approach him, talk to him, introduce myself to him, and he said to me, oh, Jeff, I would like to have dinner with you. And that night, we met in a restaurant. We had a wonderful dinner fellowship, introducing me to Sovereign Grace Churches. I went back to my hotel. I cannot sleep. My heart is rejoicing because we've been praying that we will be 
be part of a family that is like-minded, especially when it comes to the gospel. And I said, I remember that night in my hotel room in Cebu, I said, Lord, am I in a twilight zone? Is this real? Then again, the following day, I asked Lean to fellowship with me. And we had a wonderful time. I have a lot of questions. And each night, I will call up my wife, I will call up my fellow elders in our church and, and said, hey guys, this is what happened today. This is how God uh, uh, designed our fellowship. And this is what I've learned today. And as soon as I get back to the Philippines, uh, to, to Manila, I, I talked to the elders and to my wife, and we prayed a lot. We went through the Sovereign Grace Church website. We printed the statement of faith of Sovereign Grace and the seven shared values. We studied it among us elders, and even sometimes with our wives, we discuss complementarianism and egalitarianism and, and so forth and so on. With much prayer, we, we even learned the history of Sovereign Grace churches and how God in His kindness shaped a Sovereign Grace, humbled Sovereign Grace probably. And then one, after two years, we decided, yes, yes, Lord, we believe that you are leading us to connect with Sovereign Grace churches. And we are glad that we did. The first time we, Jean and I, my wife, uh, attended the Orlando uh, conference, while we worship, we, we are crying because it's a different kind of music, theologically sound, doctrinally grounded. And much more, we can sense the humility, the atmosphere of love and kindness in the midst of the gathering of Sovereign Grace churches, pastors, and leaders. We, 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 we attended before such conference and gathering back home in the Philippines, but it's never like the gathering of the pastors of Sovereign Grace Churches. And we just said, Lord, thank you for your mercy and kindness that you have connected us in this denomination who loves you, who loves the gospel, and who loves your church. That's fellowship. That's koinonia. I'll close with what Martin Luther said. To gather with God's people in united adoration of the Father is as necessary to the Christian life as prayer. I'll say this once again, and I quote. To gather with God's people in united adoration of the Father is as necessary to the Christian life as prayer. Are you glad to be here every Sunday? Are you glad to be in fellowship with one another? 
God has something indeed for Austin. His name indeed will surely, surely be glorified in the midst of this church. Let us all pray. Father, in your kindness, even in your mercy, Lord, thank you for reminding us and to help us understand what fellowship of the church is all about. Thank you, God, that your grace is enough and the Holy Spirit is faithful to create oneness in our heart, to unite our hearts in our passion for your word, not just to learn from it and to grow from it, but to exercise it as well, that Christ may be glorified in our lives and in the life of this church in Austin. Thank you, Lord, also that you are creating oneness as well when it comes to the proclamation of the gospel of your Son, Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father, for your great love to us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us, your Son. You sacrificed your own Son. So us, Father, to turn your wrath against us into mercy, your judgment against us into kindness and grace. Things that we don't deserve, Lord, and yet we are grateful and we will be eternally thankful, Lord, to you. Thank you also, Lord God, that through your Spirit, you are creating oneness in our hearts when it comes to prayers, Lord, that we will learn to depend and to trust in you at all times, in all things, whether be it in concerns in our family, in our private lives, and even, Father, in the church ministry and the workplaces. For you said to us, Lord, that we should cast all our cares on you, for you care for us, and that we may also fix our eyes on your Son, Jesus. We may nail our eyes on him, who is the author and the finisher of our faith. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for teaching us how to pray. Thank you, God, that you have opened uh, this access, divine access to heaven, for, for Christ is our high priest, and he is the Lamb of God that cleansed us from all our sins and made us yours, your children, and has given us this privilege to call you Abba, our Father. Thank you for this wonderful time, God, of serving your people for your glory. As I entrust them to you, continue, Lord God, to bless Pastor John and Lori, along with the fellow elders and their wives. Bless them continually, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you. Yes. Ah, thank you.